Hello and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. My name is Rory McNamara, taking you back in the time machine for yet another year, beginning 2003, January. All things WWE, because what else is it going to be these days? Nothing else going on anywhere else, is there? Joining me today is a very special guest here in the time machine. Somebody who we've wanted to get on for a very, very long time here on the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. And as the time machine door isn't quite jammed shut just yet, I'll give him a proper introduction. You have heard him, and I know you have heard him, on the Place to Be Nation Wrestling Network. Many, many shows there, including my own special relations joint three-way effort special relations he is callum mcdougall callum welcome to the time machine oh thank you very much ray this has been a, a genuinely genuine excitement uh to do this uh, i've been very much looking forward to it since she asked me uh it was a it was a good it was a good few weeks ago now unlike the special relations we were prepared for this one um <laughs> but yes glad to glad to finally go on uh, to get to go on the uh, the podcast, the first ever podcast uh, network I ever subscribed to. So, yeah, big moment, big big personal moment. And we didn't have to badger you to write a five star review. Just want to put it on the record now, Callum. Not at all, no. And you're going to get a second. You're going to get a second one on the on the episode that I'm on. <laughs> yeah, I, I see it now. Writes a five star review, gets invited on, and six stars in the uh, six stars in the air. Callum in the highly highly. <laughs> highly unlikely event anybody listening to this has yet to make your podcast acquaintance just introduce yourself for a couple of minutes before january 2003 kicks in still 2023 at the moment so if you stumble over the years it's okay but get them out of the way now <laughs> uh, okay so it is uh, yes presently uh, 2023 um as rory says uh, you can hear me on uh, various podcasts on the place to be uh, wrestling network you may have already heard um my voice uh, on the twitter space that uh, Rory and Lacey um, hosted a few months back, and you no doubt would have heard my voice if you watched, uh, if you listened to Wrestling Twenty Years Ago does Clash at the Castle. I was um, quite inebriated, quite loud, um, but yeah, uh, big big wrestling fan for God over twenty years now, which is quite quite strange to say. And yeah, this is this time is uh, is right in is right in my wheelhouse. So I am. So I'm looking forward to to jumping in the timeline and reliving it all again with with the podcast legend himself. <laughs> he wasn't told to say that either. Well, not this time. <laughs> he doesn't need to be told anymore, quite simply. Callum, just one question then before we get started. So, yes, are you watching week to week, month to month at this time as we move into 2003? Uh, yes, I was watching. I uh, definitely watching uh, SmackDown every single week uh, because it was on at the very palatable time of ten in the morning, as we as we all know over here. Um, and watching as much of Raw as I could as I could stay up for on, on a Friday night. Um, but yeah, I was uh, this was this is probably peak of me watching week to week. Um, although unfortunately I couldn't still couldn't didn't quite have the sway to to um, persuade uh, my dad to buy uh, the ones the pe- the pay per views that were on Skybox office like this one was. Ah yes, because this was definitely the time where we had to pay for the big four, was it not? not I, Definitely on Skybox. Excuse me. Rumble was definitely on Sky Box Office at this time. Rumble was still on box office. Uh, we got WrestleMania for free. WrestleMania was always in Sky Sports One. I think it was Armageddon was also. Uh, Armageddon was 2002 was certainly Sky Box Office, but for some reason I managed to persuade my dad on that one. Uh, not for the reasons <laughs> you might be immediately thinking of. 
this is all making sense now, Callum. Yeah. <laughs> big fan, big, big fan. Maybe, maybe not the only fourteen ninety nine you were trying to plug down. I just had permission. I just had permission for this fourteen ninety nine that we're on the Skype. Big Sean Michaels fan. That's what it. That's what it was. Had to see him defend the world title. And to borrow a meme from our other podcast, Sean Michaels from the Vault DVD. There we go. Oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Listen to, a, listen to any special relations show for more information <laughs> on that one. It will be quite clear. And I can say our other special relation, Ben Locke, has just sent us a Skype message saying, have fun, boys. And he did that. Oh, just in time. If he waited a minute, Callum, I wouldn't have been able to mention it. Uh, yes, because what, what was Skype? He, he sent it to us on MSN Messenger. Could you even do voice chats on MSN Messenger in 2003? <laughs> oh, God, now you're asking. I've no idea. No, no, we're, we're and, and 20 years ago, we are currently down at a local radio station uh, recording <laughs> this to tape. You could hook it up to a Windows Media Player, I think, at the time. Oh, you're more advanced than that than me. Oh, we, we had XP in... 2003 is that good or not i can't even remember there we go <laughs> uh, uh, no we were st- i think we were still rocking we were still rocking windows 98 oh baby yeah and <laughs> dial up internet oh i still had dial up in 2003 absolutely <laughs> yeah and um, uh, i can still hear the word ringing through my ears right now okay <laughs> that's enough nostalgia so we actually go back and live in that time period now think, yes oh please okay. it was a much much simpler time <laughs> what we'll see about that uh, you know the sound everybody let's get back there january 2003 shall we Hit that button. And you join us on January the 28th, 2003. And we're going to go straight into it this time, ladies and gents, because the build-up to the WWE Royal Rumble pay-per-view was not dissimilar to many WWE or WWF Royal Rumble pay-per-views. Uh, lots of to-camera promos, lots of people chucking each other over the top rope. Anything especially important, we will mention match by match. But for now, we know why you're all here. So, Callum, why don't you furnish the good listeners with the results of the Royal Rumble 2003 pay-per-view? Happy to. Uh, so, uh, in the opening contest, Brock Lesnar defeated The Big Show uh, to gain entry into the Royal Rumble match. Uh, the Dudley Boys defeated Lance Storm and William Regal for the World Tag Team Championship. Tori Wilson defeated Don Marie Wilson in the uh, Stepdaughter versus Stepmother match. Scott Steiner defeated Triple H by disqualification in the World Heavyweight Championship match. Kurt Angle defeated uh, Chris Benoit in the WWE Championship match to retain the title, and Brock Lesnar uh, eliminated The Undertaker to win the Royal Rumble. And I won't make you read out all 30 names like certain other people would on these programmes, Callum. However, I will ask you your opening thoughts on Rumble 2003. I am very, very mixed bag, uh, to to be honest. I, I I liked, for strangely enough, I did like the Brock Lesnar Big Show match. I, uh, I think just because Brock is a Brock is an absolute beast, um, and yeah, I, I, and we'll, we'll get into it in, in a bit uh, a bit more detail probably. But uh, certain uh, moves that he can perform in the Big Show are very very uh, spectacular to see. Um, but there are some down points. Tory versus Don Marie and an absolutely atrocious. Uh, world heavyweight championship match um but 
uh, sort of you've got chalk and cheese with the two the two world title matches. So yeah, a very a very mixed bag for the for the Rumble this year. Now you called it Dawn Marie Wilson during the results, but you settled up for Dawn Marie again just now. That was, I think, you were a kayfabe holder to the last, Mister McDougall. Uh, well, I, I, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a mouthful saying Tori Wilson, Dawn Marie Wilson. It's just, I, I, it's just too raw for me. The, 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 the recent <laughs> events in the last couple of weeks, it's just, it's just all about much for me. It is a very, very tender topic, which we will get to, ladies and gents. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, Rumble 2003. My goodness me, this was, this was all over the shop, wasn't it? got to say a lot of the pay-per-views over the last year or so have been fairly easy for me to come to a conclusion on not this one because as Callum rightly says we plumbed the ultra depths and scaled the ultra highs and we don't do star ratings on this show but if we did Dodd would be sitting next to five stars on this one without wanting to give too much away <laughs> early and I can't remember the last time that has happened you know our resident statistician Eric Landstrom might well have something to say about that. I'm sure he's working the abacus right now. But my goodness me, this show was another show which, like so many Rumble pay-per-views, it set itself goals. It's achieved them. So in that regard, it was a success. But I'm not sure that it couldn't have done a little bit more here and there. At the same time, allowing for a contender for the match. Well, early spoilers, match of the year, I think, in 11 months' time. It's going to be down sight. Now, I'll be watching to see if there's anything that can possibly replace it. And very possibly one of the greatest matches we've ever seen in the 10 and a half years. So you are going to sit tight after all. So I think we should just get into it, don't you? Let's do it. Let's get into it. A good video package starts things off in which the words Road to WrestleMania are repeated around 50,000 times. Eric Cal knows. Then Michael Cole and Taz welcome us to the Fleet Centre in Boston, Mass for our opening match. And long-term listeners, don't worry, I'm not going to try a Boston accent this time. <laughs> I learned my lesson. And it is for a spot in the Rumble itself is the first match, a contest between Brock Lesnar and the Big Show. A Let's Go Lesnar chant goes up right away, and if you listen closely, you can hear the half a chabur of one Chris Wright leading it. Show is backed into the corner, but Lesnar gets off the belly-to-belly nice and early. Cole rightly calls it absolutely unbelievable, and then I rub my eyes, he does it again. The third time isn't the charm, though, as Show just grinds at his face and holds him over the top rope. Neck first. Back in, Show with some clubbing blows and some no-nonsense slaps, and he's already sucking wind at this point. <laughs> yeah, so I put, I put sucking wind in capital letters, just in case I missed out that word. Can, did Chris White write this? He misses another charge, though, and I just can't stop myself. He misses another charge, though, and then a German suplex by Brock that baffles both Paul Heyman and your correspondents. He grabs Brock's leg, though, and Big Show is back with a big boot, and I genuinely started to type Big Bot there. He calls for the choke slam with all 20 A's, but Lesnar counters it into a side roll for two. Good stuff. Another belly-to-belly for two, and then Heyman gets dragged into the ring. He is about to be F5'd by Show. He's about to be F5, but Show blocks it off and this time hits the choke slam with about 15 A's. Delayed cover, got to protect him after all, gets a two count. The straps come down and he calls for another, but this time Lesnar lands on his feet, shoves Show into Heyman on the apron and gets him up for the F5, which is still utterly extraordinary. And there's your three count. Lesnar is in the Rumble match. Callum, your thoughts on our opening match here? Um... For the time that they were out there, they packed a lot in. Um, and as you say, that like there is like, unbelievable, unbelievable visuals with the moves that Brock Lesnar can put can 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 give to the big show. That F five will never cease to amaze me. 
um, the fact that he can get can get the big the big man up and and manipulate him to uh, like a proper F five in the way that he does is is outstanding. I mean the guy is the guy's a beast. Um, there's no there's no two no two ways about it. And the, the belly to bellies as well um, are just yeah are incredible incredible to see. Um, the the uh, they also get the, the sort of half payoff that Lesnar finally gets his hands on 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 Heyman, um, but they don't give you don't give you too much, just enough. Um, but I thought for the for, for the six or so minutes that that they were given, um, I thought they 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 used them they used them very very well, and it was a, it was a you know it was a decent enough decent enough match between the two of them. Uh, I don't think you could probably it might have. Um, Got derailed a wee bit if they went a wee bit if they, if they went any longer, but no, a perfectly, perfectly acceptable uh, match between the two of them. And not before time after the Survivor Series fiasco, it only needs to be about six or seven minutes. The matches between these two, nobody wants any more. There's what do you want from this match? You want to see Brock Lesnar do the F5, which will never ever not blow my mind, and I'm sure it's the case for everybody listening to this show as well, and for Brock Lesnar to get the win. And this time we got both of those. You know, we don't ask him much in life, do we? This was trailed very heavily, this match, probably for about two or three weeks out from the Rumble. And I remember thinking with all the time that was dedicated to it, that were they you know, over-egging the pudding here a bit slightly for something that they probably could have done on free TV for Lesnar to get his passage into the Rumble, which we all knew he was going to anyway. But I think they needed to ramp up the importance of Paul Heyman joining forces with the Big Show and therefore doing this match on pay-per-view I think helps that and show still needs a lot of assistance now it's a bit of a debate in wrestling 20 years ago towers as whether the show is any good or not now, one person is on very much on the side of a divide and somebody like Adam Joyce for example is on the other and I'm leaning towards one way on that one too but he was fine in this match because he was allowed to be fine yeah he got his stuff in he got up for the F5 himself, which, you know, it's he's got a lot of work to do there as well. Let's be honest about this. And Oh, yeah. He laid, and he laid down at the end. So no real harm done here. I'm not in love with Brock Lesnar being, I said this two months ago, not in love with him being a deck stacked against him, babyface at all. They, didn't, they don't need to do that with him. I'm still a still opinion that they should have just turned him face with the belts two months ago but you know we are where we are but telling the redemption story it doesn't really fit but he's doing his best in it and this was one of those occasions get used to it on this show where the predictable outcome was the only right one and Callum I don't think there was any question of them screwing the fans this time no I I don't think I, I mean it's 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 it, it might be a bit, a bit premature to say that uh, they would have rioted if, if the big show had won, but ev- everyone was there. If you are going to do this this storyline, because Lesnar has been gaining momentum since, well, pretty much since SummerSlam when he beat yeah. The Rock. Um, I mean, the, the, the crowd that night were fully behind Lesnar. And I, as you say, turning them in the garden with the belt, well, not in the garden, but with the belt, certainly, would have been would have been an ex, a, a a great way to do it. It's very hard to believe a storyline where a man is a genetic freak like Brock Lesnar is, and he's just south of three hundred pounds and built like a brick outhouse. 
to have the deck stacked against him because it's going to take a lot for for that man not to be over to, to overcome a man like like Brock Lesnar. But yeah, the, the way that they're the way that they're doing it, I, I think as you say, the obvious choice isn't always being the obvious choice doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad choice, as you say. Um, so yeah, that's that's all they could have done, uh, and. Yeah, they executed it. They executed it very, very well. Yeah, this was fine. Probably would have been a free-for-all match back in the day, but I'm quite glad it was on the pay-per-view, to be honest. Yeah, it's it, it's not quite... It's I, I would say it's probably a level above Triple H and, and uh, Duke the Dumpster from a few <laughs> years back. <laughs> we didn't... Well, we did no video replay for this one either, Callum. You know, no reverse decision. No, I mean... Count. <laughs> That's uh, uh, the big sh- the big show did did the honours properly. I uh, other um and didn't need uh, didn't need the great late the, the late great Guerrilla coming out to to, to screw him. No Duke Josie in the Rumble. I'm going to mention it now, everybody. So <sighs> so I don't want to drag drag this one out any longer than I need to. Okay. <laughs> I don't want you listening in. We get an hour in. I tell you, get, find out who number thirty is, and it's not not the dumpster this time. So <sighs> just need just need to go back to WrestleMania. Uh, a couple of years back and just just relive there? the gimmick battle royal <laughs> in the archives everybody <laughs> uh, terry talks to chris jericho in his don't be an ass clown t-shirt he repeats his claim from last week on raw that he wanted to be number one in the rumble but hbk got given that berth so instead he's gonna have to win the thing from number two uh, the storyline here is that jericho is increasingly desperate to emulate and even exceed the accolades and achievements of Shawn Michaels. And it's been a very good storyline so far, I must say. And for more on it to come later. For now, though, we have a match for the world tag team titles. The team of William Regal and Lance Storm defending their recently won belts against tag team of the year 2002 non-winners, the Dudleys. That still seems very, very strange. JR reminds me they are 15-time tag team champions in various organisations. Where's Sid Waddell when you need him? Nick Patrick checks Regal and Storm for those brass knuckles they've been so handy with lately, and at least for now, draws a blank. Storm and Bubba kick us off and do some nice basic stuff based around the international, and it's been far too long since I mentioned that. Hi, Mr. Bamba. Big powerbomb by Bubba, and then he tries a scorpion deathlock. I mean, that's big question number one. Question number two is, why did I type scorpion deathlock and not sharpshooter? Vinny's <laughs> <laughs> got to me too, I think. <laughs> Regal spares him and me any further embarrassment. He is now in with Devon, who hits him with a cool diving clothesline, and a cover gets two. He misses a charge in the corner, though, that again, and Regal assumes control. His style is definitely more Stan Mortensen than Stanley Matthews, I think it's fair to say. Monkey flip in the corner, and then Stormers in to slow things down. Bubble with a backdrop, and now it's what's up time, followed by a flapjack, which... It's too similar to the 3D, and I really think they should drop that one. Anyway, they then execute the 3D on Regal, so <laughs> who's really counting? He did have the Nux in his hand, whilst Chief Morley ran a distraction. And if you think that all sounds a bit garbled, it is, because the finish was <laughs> definitely seemed a bit rushed for my liking. But we do get a three count out of it. The Dudleys are the champs once again, in what for me seems like a somewhat flat and lifeless way to get them there, Callum. This seemed very, very, very low key for a Dudley's title win. Maybe everybody's getting just a little bit bored of it. Shh. Well, yes. I mean, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. And the first thing that JR comes out and says is they've they've done it 13 times before. Um, whether or not you were watching ECW on the Sunshine Network back in the day, um, 
it's neither here nor there, but they've they've won it a good what would that be now? It's seven times and since they joined the WWF, seven or eight times. Long lost cap. Eric Abacus, please. I, I mean that's yeah, I think so. I think the break probably did them good in a sense that people when when like when the Dudley Boys are going to reform, people will be looking forward to it. Um, maybe wait longer than six months to do it. You know, you can't you can't miss something if it's not gone away for that long, especially since they, they were doing a hackneyed or, or a Dudley Boys light with Spike over the summer. Um, I I don't I don't get the whole the whole situation with the with the world tag team championships you had this big if they wanted it on they, they seem like they wanted clearly wanted the dudleys to be back on at the top of the division because they they had the, the grand reunion at survivor series and the grand comeback at survivor series but they were already in the midst of telling their story with booker t and gold dust that had to culminate at armageddon so you have to you have to pay that off and then you have the big payoff and then within how long are we away since Armageddon? Four or five weeks? I've sort of, I can't have, don't have my calendar in front of me, but in the space of four or five weeks, you've dumped Booker T and Goldust for Lance Storm and William Regal, the, your new heel, your new big heel team, and then you've put it back on the Dudley Boys. It's very, very strange. And, I, and you, like, you've seen one Dudley Boys tag title win, you've seen them all, as I said. If you've seen one Dudley's match, you've seen them all, really. Um. So yeah, it was all about I don't think anyone in the building ex- was sort of expecting the Dudleys to win. It's, but so it all just seemed like, yeah, it was all about. I wasn't particularly enamoured to see it myself when I first watched it. I'll just, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, match was whatever. The finish was very much go home to the point where, let's say, I didn't even bother to go back and change my very garbled notes because that's pretty much how it happened. So I thought I'd keep it in there for you, everybody, to preserve integrity. We we don't need to see this anymore. And I would say that the WWE realised that a year ago. And the breakup of the Dudleys, putting them on different brands even, was not a popular move. And I understand why. And I wouldn't pretend it was entirely successful, Reverend Devon. But Bubba as a mid-card babyface, I was... I was kind of into, and I think the fans were too. He was, you know, seeing him team up with Trish Stratus was a little bit difficult to swallow after what they'd been through, or what she'd been through, literally, two years before. But it was working, and I just feel they've overcorrected a bit here now, and they've listened to criticism, which a lot of people say the WWE don't do often enough, and I think that's a very fair, fair thing to level at them. But here I do wish they stayed the course a little bit, and... Yes, they got the pop when they reformed at Madison Square Garden, Survivor Series 02, but Madison Square Garden. And here it was pretty lacklustre, the response for them. And there's nowhere else you can go with the Dudley Boys as a tag team now. And they are desperately close to being a here and now nostalgia act, if that makes any sense. Do you see what I'm getting at with that? I I just feel they're just pressing all the buttons and wheeling out the hits and it's you wouldn't really if you look at them you wouldn't really compare Bubba Ray and Devon to to Rick Parfitt and Francis Rossi but if you squint a little bit it, you know, it, it's coming across as very when the Road Warriors went back to WCW in 96 yes good call. it's very much like that I am um, and 
it's some just it just twigged in in my memory when you were when you were talking there, Rory. It's they clearly they gave up a long time ago in trying to make Bubba and Devon singles guys because you had Reverend Devon. All right, that was probably dead on arrival. Um, but then. And then Bubba had his run with a hardcore title and was, was getting very, very heavily pushed on Raw. Yeah, the match for but, the title on TV against Triple H. Yeah. <laughs> but they've but somewhere down the line they've they've sort of reformed Dudley Boys Light with Spike with Bubba. And they've put like very, very close to when they reformed at Survivor series, they had Devon start to team with Ron Simmons. So it was like <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're like, these guys, they obviously clearly see these guys as tag team guys for life and they just thought oh, do you know what bugger it if I put the two of them in tag teams we might as well just bring them back together and it was like they just gave up really really quickly it was just bit bizarre and yeah it's just I don't see the need for the Dudley boys to be tag team champions in 2003 no I don't either they've just they've clearly run out of ideas for them as a tag team so they put them back together as a tag team. Some might call that anally retentive. Something far, far harsher than I, I'm sure, would use <laughs> such a description. Uh, I'm, there was a reason the Dudleys didn't even get a single nomination for our tag team of the year in 2002. Not a single nomination, not even from Chris Lacey. You know, even he had reached the end of his tether with it. It should be said <laughs> that they weren't together for much of the year last year. You know, should there be an award show in 2003? Maybe he'll prove me wrong. All right. But... We have seen it all now, and the novelty value, which probably is a slightly unfair description, but it does fit because there's lots of gimmickry with the Dudley boys, and you wouldn't want to take it away from them. You know, you know, Callum is a football fan like I am. If you take that out of his game, he's half the player, isn't he? You know, it's that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> with uh, the Dudleys in the table. But there's nothing else for them to achieve, is what I think I'm trying to say here. They've had the TLC matches. They've had some pretty good standard tag matches. They've won the belts. 500,000 times. Right? Tag team wrestling is only going to ever go so far of a WWE anyway. Where else can they go, you know? Yeah. They, they, and, and you're talking about the TLC matches. They've split up Edge and Christian and ran with it. They've split up the Hardy Boys and they're running with it. They tried to split up the Dudley Boys and they just, for whatever reason, they're, they're, I think the fact that their con, contemporaries, their contemporaries, Excuse me, are now no longer together. Yes, as a sign that the Dudley Boys' time is probably past. Are you listening, Vince McMahon? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, evidently you're not, because it's time for our stepmother versus stepdaughter. <laughs> oh, good fucking god! Right to fill you in on this one, so to speak. First off, everybody, if somehow you missed it last month, do go back and listen to our December 2002 show with our epoch-making rant from one Davinda Vargas, who laid out, almost more than Al Wilson, laid it all out himself, just his hatred for this angle. And he he didn't even know the half of it at the time. But my goodness me, if somehow you've missed this, you've done the decent thing and not paid any attention to it, let Davinda put you right over 10 or 15 minutes on the Armageddon 2002 show we released last month but at the start of january the wedding between dawn marie and al wilson took place on smackdown uh, dawn marie wanted to do it in the nuddy because of course she did but a compromise was reached I'm not sure that's the right expression in which they would do it in their undies al wilson looked like 
a bit of a pillock, to be honest with you. But no, they still won ahead with it. And bless Stormarie for trying to keep a straight face and succeeding in keeping a straight face. This, you know, I bear her no ill whatsoever on this angle. The next week, we got some, well, we got some honeymoon footage from the hotel suite. And Al Wilson, let's say it was a bit much for him. Is that a, a fair expression this time? He was. The old ticker was going, I think it's probably fair to say. It's being put through his paces, shall we? I'm say that. OK, they were having a lot of sex. You happy now? OK, <laughs> trying to dance around it, Roy. Just come out and say it. it's January 2003. All very enlightened. But Al was uh, one more. Might not be the charm for him, shall we say. And it turned out that the poor bugger had a heart attack. And Vince McMahon went off air on SmackDown, as he always does, you know, or he always likes to do, with a bit of a cliffhanger, with Dawn acting as best as she could. You know, was Al even going to make it through the night? <sighs> SmackDown the next week, cold open. In memory of Al Wilson. Yes, the old man went, died with his boots on, to use the old expression from Porridge, you should say. And we got funeral footage. Of course we did, with Al lying in state in the coffin. Um, have we learned not- nothing? You know, it was only three months ago. They were in the very same funeral home, you know, Russo Award, etc. He's clearly not listening. Dawn cut a bit of a eulogy. Tori turned up doing her best acting, yeah, exactly. She blamed Dawn Marie for her father's passing, not unreasonably. Dawn blamed her for whatever reason. They got into a bit of a Barney. Tori, again, acting in front of her father, gets down on her knee. Dawn Marie grabs a lamp, as you do, whacks her over the back with it, crumples on impact. And I wonder why I'm giving you play-by-play of the Don Marie Tony Wilson feud. But, you know, I'm doing my duty, everybody. But I've got to fill in the backstories, have I not? So let's get to our first ever, maybe not last ever, <laughs> this feud probably will continue, stepmother versus stepdaughter match. <sighs> Dawn does at least come out wearing a black veil. So she's committed to this tosh, if nobody else is. <laughs> whoever, came up with, whoever came up with this nonsense should probably be committed. Whereas Tory Wilson is dressed like, well, 2003 Tory Wilson. Hmm. Dawn is straight in with an elbow to the head and some pretty stiff stomps. But Tory is back with what I will now, but, but Tory is back with what I will, for now at least, call a takedown. Slingshot down to the mat as the crowd treat this bilge with the silent treatment I'm afraid it deserves. Both ladies are certainly trying, though, as a Dawn armbar and a series of other arm rocks will attest. But then they'll just thud into each other in the middle of the ring, which looked uglier than I made it sound. And a backslide for two. Dawn with a cool springboard clothesline. She is into this. She really is. And a slightly less cool neckbreaker by Tori gets the win. Oof, now, that really was a bit go home. Or maybe just a mercy killing. And Michael Cole, also with a straight face, says this. And I quote, she wins the match. Do this again. She wins the match. But she can't bring her father back. And Callum, any previous criticism of Michael Cole, I might have levied his way in the previous five years. I take it all back for him getting through that without bursting into <laughs> fits of laughter. But now, my friend, you need to join Dawn Marie with the tears talking about all of this stuff. And I don't think there'll be fake ones. <laughs> I am. I can assure you, I am in tears listening to you give play by play of the last two weeks of television. <laughs> 
What am um, I doing? Just a slice of my problems, I tell you. I, oh my God, um, this is this is this is utterly ridiculous. <laughs> I, and, and the thing is, at the end, at the end, um, Don Marie was shouting, "This isn't over." So I hope I I wholeheartedly expect this to this to culminate in an Owl's Ashes on a pole match at WrestleMania. I, this is just going to be. This is ridiculous. <laughs> um, the whole the whole thing, right? So, I, I'm I'm going to no, I can't even give them credit. I'm going to see the trying to the logic behind it. The soap opera thing worked a couple of years back, if you remember. Kurt Triple H Stephanie Love Triangle. Oh, they got yes. they got all the, they got the soap opera and and it was hugely popular. It was wildly no. successful until the very end. Yes. I think they were going for the soap opera thing here. It was very Days of Our Lives. It was very um, Coronation Street. Um, I'm not going East Enders because nobody's been thrown down the stairs quite yet. But it was just... This whole story has been so bizarre. This has been going since October. Like, this is just... I I can't believe this is still going. I did like Don Marie Wilson coming out in the veil. Um, That was a a lovely touch. And, And... the best bit about the match was Taz um, saying that sniggering himself by saying that Don Marie was in her early twenties when she was coming out. But the whole thing, the, the match was a car crash. The whole story's been a car crash. I just cannot believe this has been. And SmackDown every week is the better show. This is just a black black mark on on what a wonderful show SmackDown is. This is taken up. This is given, this has had main event time on more than one episode of SmackDown and it's ridiculous considering the roster you've got in SmackDown it's the Don Marie Tori Wilson saga that's getting all the all the main event time it's ridiculous but yeah absolute absolute shocker can you imagine poor old Paul Heyman putting together the run sheet every Tuesday for Thursday? Uh, yeah, we're going to have uh, Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio over there. We're going to have Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero over there. And then, you know, you see the post-it note written underneath that the bins are slopped in, slipped in the morning. Ah, 30 minutes of Dawn Marie, Tony Wilson, pal. Pal, Al Wilson's going to have a heart attack. It's going to be great. You call it the SmackDown 6. I call it the SmackDown, you know, the rest of it. <laughs> I'm not going to dignify the end of that pun by completing it. Vince McMahon's already done that himself, and you've already filled in the laugh, everybody. Yeah, I wish I had more to add to this, really, to be honest. But ahead of himself, Devinder, and yourself today, you've just nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Pun very much intended here. <laughs> and this is just because this is what Vince McMahon really wants to do. Now, he doesn't want all that wrestling crap. Now, now the SmackDown has been hijacked by Paul Heyman with the, just the nerve, the temerity of the man to put on 20-minute bangers two or three times every single week. Now, we all know Vince McMahon and bangers, the, the kind that he's into, so he has to make it happen. Now, that segment on SmackDown the week before this took about fucking half an hour in total. I mean, yeah. what are we doing? But I'm, I'm done asking these questions. I think I put this best when we talked about Katie Vick on the end of year award show last month. None of this surprises me. I read Wade Keller and Dave Melson, they call this shocking and they're asking, oh, what is Vince McMahon doing and what's got into him? Where have you been the last 20 years? You know, this is what the man does. This is what the man wants to be. 
when Vince McMahon talks about sports entertainment, you know, for him, that is a 60 year old man, a woman half his age, getting married in their underwear live on television. Uh, it is seeing footage of them in their honeymoon suite the next week and him being sexed to death. Now, for Vince McMahon, this isn't out there. This isn't pushing the envelope. OK, when he's being interviewed by Bob Costas or whatever, he might say that. But for him, this is just another day at the office. And until that mindset changes and Vince McMahon thinks this kind of thing is going too far and that it's not what people want to see. Now, the highly unlikely event that he has a road to Damascus on this one. The Now, what we say goes in WWE, well, I think we're, why I've never received an actual booking credit on this program is quite beyond me. You know, if you jump the queue on this one, I'm going to be very angry. You know, if Safeco Field plays out to a ashes on a pole match, which I think is now almost certain, certainly going to happen. Thank you very much. But nothing's going to change. And as appallingly, horrendously dreadful and outright offensive as this watch, as this was, as this watch was, watching it through my fingers, I'm almost, and I stress almost, at peace with it. I'm trying my best to not let it bother me. And I st I'm trying, God, I'm trying to see it as an aberration on SmackDown rather than the prime mover. I'm not sure I'm entirely successful in that venture, but what is it your mum says? When when you see, see the, the the odd fellow there in the pot, you know, waving his you know, waving his um bottle of Jack Daniels around and his racing post under his arm, you know, he'll be quiet if you just ignore him. Should we try that method with Vince McMahon, Callum? Should we just ignore him and see if he goes away? I, I know. Do you know what I think? He's he's like he's he's the guy that you don't want to sit next to either at the football <laughs> and he just he's the guy that sits next to you at the football who thinks he's making a great point all the time oh boy but is always horrendously wrong sometimes criticizing guys that aren't even on the pitch <laughs> you know that way what the, the what the hell's what the hell's he doing he's on the bench nothing really um you're, you're talking about it you're talking about he, he doesn't think he's he, he doesn't think this is over this is over the line. The, the, the sad thing is is he thinks this is hilarious. Like not only not only does not only does he think this is what people want to see, he you absolutely know he's in the back in gorilla position, absolutely wetting himself with laughter. It is it it it's it, 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 it's not often I'm speechless, Rory, as you know, as you well know. Um, but yeah, this is just it. It worked. It, it worked exactly once, as we say with 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 with, with the the summer of two thousand. It, it, this whole thing has worked exactly once. But we should have seen the warning signs and beyond the mat where he says, "We don't do wrestling. We don't do sports. We make movies." This is him. This is what he thinks is going to be a box office seller. It's not exactly going to be Titanic, Vince. Just give it a rest. And follow that up by trying to chew water as well, which will tell you everything you need to know <laughs> yes. about Vince McMahon. Uh, he's going to puke. He really is going to puke. 
Stephanie and her smirk accost Eric Bischoff backstage, but she just came to say goodbye. She isn't going anywhere, but unless Bischoff can turn war around in 30 days, then he will be on his bike. And more on that story later on in our broadcast. For now, though, he drops hints about his gigantic bombshell for Raw tomorrow, which, of course, Stephanie then gets to match on SmackDown, as she is all too proud to announce. So we'll talk about that after our pay-per-view review. Now, Callum, if you have any speechlessness left, if you have any speechlessness left, I suggest you bring it out in spades now because our world heavyweight title match between Triple H and Scott Steiner. So the build for this one, in many ways, not dissimilar to the build for Dawn Murray and Tori Wilson. <laughs> uh, uh, how can I put this? They engaged in battles of, is one-upmanship the right word? Is that a bit too literal? Um, let, let's go with that. Let's go yeah, with that. I think that's probably the polite way to put it. Um. They had a bodybuilding contest. They had an arm wrestling match. No, they exchanged in push-ups where they were gazing into each other's eyes. No, they very nearly had a weightlifting contest. Now, I do think if they'd started the build a week earlier, then it would have been uh, on the rug in front of the fire, shall we say, but we were just about spared that. Although I'll tell you what, I'm going to give them credit for this. Scott Steiner got it right. He dispensed with dispensed with all the build-up, and he just fucking ripped Triple H's clothes off in the go-home roll for this one. No, that's where this was going to end up anyway. Let's just fucking get there. So fair play, okay? No. He's going to kiss his fucking kiss, okay? And yes. Steiner went with it, so good lad. <laughs> when he said, when Vince said he made movies, he never actually, like, he, he didn't pin down a genre. So I, I'm glad they're going <laughs> for the gamut. They're going for the rom-com, and they're going for the the other kind the, the, yeah. the, 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 the thing that you go to a specific type of shop or cinema to, to find you won't find these in the three for five pound box underneath the counter you might no. find an extra underneath the counter you're, <laughs> you're, you're so, not going to see these at your local Odeon <laughs> certain kinds of cinemas are available but let's get to the wrestling match between the two shall we Triple H and Scott Steiner for Triple H's world title uh, we get the Wrestlemania 12 I'll have a treatment before this one although sadly this time he doesn't ask any questions. They start with a slug out, and to prove I'm going to call this thing down the middle, we do get a Triple H chant. Chops in the corner by Steiner, and I think he seems to be struggling a little bit already. Press slam by Scott, and Triple H staggers outside. A few more Scots and <laughs> a few more shots, but yeah, Steiner is definitely blowing up. He does manage to suplex Hunter back in and scores himself a two. A punch or two to the kidney, and the crowd have already gone here. Oh, dear. Steiner just doesn't work as a babyface, and I mean that in more ways than one. Boston Crab, which really isn't reading the room, wherever they are geographically, but Triple H gets to the ropes easily. And now a sodding bear hug, and this is going nowhere fast. Belly to belly suplex. And this is where future Rory heads back into this portion of the notes to say, belly to belly suplex, huh, you might want to get used to that. And really, can Flair just sod off now? Big boot by Triple H, and even I was pleased to see that one. Neckbreaker for a near fall and just a lot of grinding in the corner. No flare, I said, sod off. Put your jacket back on. And probably your pants too. Helmsley calls for the pedigree to a pop, but Steiner reverses to a sl- but Steiner reverses to a slingshot, which Triple H gets the sell all wrong on, which in fairness, it's not like him. We get a tombstone reversal spot, I don't know why, which ends with Triple H on top for a two. Hunter jumps right into a belly-to-belly suplex, and Steiner is finding it hard to stand. Now, he's clearly not selling, 
this is a problem. Another belly to belly? Another belly to belly? And that, oh, that's enough now. And the crowd are very close to turning on him here. And then as soon as I type that, they outright do it. Fuck it. I am with them. Just to compound things, they make an absolute fucking horlix of a butterfly bomb. I tell you what, just do a belly to belly suplex instead. Stick to what you know. And being outright booed by the crowd is Steiner here. Oh, my word. Superplex does not get them back. Triple H plans on leaving, but annoyingly, Steiner drags him back into the ring again. Oh. Helmsley preps a belt shot, which Scott then reverses in a segment so slow, I can then go back and amend my earlier notes about the first belly to belly. All ties in. Helmsley blazes off that shot, which is just fucking comical. And as is Triple H trying to run away, although on this occasion, I do have some sympathy with him. Big Papa Pump with some press ups. Yeah, that will help. And now we have Flair wanting the match stopped. Always like that, Ric Flair, you know. Hunter tosses the ref out of the ring, but Hebner doesn't call for the bell. Oh, have a heart, man. Oh, yeah, another belly to belly for a two. You know, I love this podcast, but I'm not sure it's worth me contracting RSI for. Triple H goes for the sledgehammer. Oh, just fucking bloody nail the cunt, says I. And this time we do get the DQ. The fans boo the hell out of that finish. And I absolutely get it. But in the fullness of time, they'll realise they've been done a favour. Steiner then goes to town with the sledgehammer and then the Boston fans go to town on him. JR puts the fear of God in me by teasing a rematch. Dormarie hmm. Tory 3 doesn't look so bad now, does it? And I have well and truly hit the wall myself now. Belly to belly suplex. Oh, sorry, force of habit. Steiner recliner until the officials and Bischoff drag him off. And then JR mentions a rematch again. As I remember, I am not on next month's show. So then, Callum, all that fanfare about Scott Steiner returning. No, getting the big welcome on pay-per-view, no less, in Madison Square Garden. And the pop he received. (laughs) Over to you. So, not that long ago, May, just just a few weeks ago, Monday morning, I didn't stay up to watch the to watch the Survivor series. Monday morning, I'm flicking through, getting the highlights. That siren goes off and I am like every single person in Madison Square Garden. I absolutely lose it. Because I love Scott Steiner. This has made me question every life choice I've ever had about Scott Steiner. Because this was simply put shite. This is genuinely one of the worst matches I have ever seen. Because as you say, he got, he was blown up really, really quickly. Like, and I and I get right, I get that he's had he must have only had a, a handful of matches since WCW shut down. I saw him at a, at a World Wrestling All Stars match in Glasgow, a, a event in Glasgow in what, December of two thousand and one. It would have been. You're talking the the, the, the WWE didn't last very long. I don't know where else he's been. He's only had a handful of matches in just in almost two years, and it showed big time because the guy couldn't. There was at one point, right? It was quite scary actually. It was quite a scary visual because the point. I don't know if he was selling or he like did almost pass out with exhaustion because if there was one point where he just oh he collapsed into the ropes and you're thinking oh he's either he's either like about to pass out or it's just selling really really well it was just it was it was 
so so bad. And the the way that they're talking like JR's like the like we know if there's a rematch down the line, Scott Steiner's gonna be world heavyweight champion. Not often I'll say this, but I, I hope Triple H I hope Triple H doesn't lose the belt to Scott Steiner. Um, and I can't believe I, I would I would ever say that because I say love Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner mowing people down is is a sight to behold. Um, I'm just glad they didn't try and do a Frankensteiner or a or a screwdriver on Triple oh, H because in that in that condition he may well have killed the man. Oh boy. Um, yeah, this was this was so so bad and 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 you you're right in saying that. I, I would rather watch another. Al Wilson on Al Wilson's ashes on a pole is looking so much better than a rematch between these two. Vince McMahon knows after all. And let's be absolutely fair and clear about this. Triple H, very little of the blame can be thrown in his direction here. Now, much to my chagrin, but we both agree that Scott Steiner is numero uno at fault for this one, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I am by no means a Triple H. I, I don't, I don't dislike him as much as as much as other people, but I certainly I'm not his biggest fan in the world. But yeah, this is this the 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 outcome of this match is squarely on the shoulders of of Scott Steiner. Because Triple H was dressed for the occasion too. Now he was wearing his Larry out of cameo red cod piece for the match after all, you know. And this is how Scott Steiner repays him. No, no. <laughs> all seriousness. This, in many, many ways, is the worst match I've seen in the 10 years of us doing this podcast. There probably have been, or have there been, am I being a bit too kind here? There have been matches people have hated more, like, I don't know, to pick one, Undertaker, Giant Gonzalez from SummerSlam 1993, for example. But, you know, what are you really going to get with that anyway? Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, that does... This is Scott Steiner, who they signed with a huge amount of fanfare. And if you go back and listen to our shows in 1999-2000, early 2001, the praise for him during his WCW run, from me at least, is qualified. But it is there. And to see him here, not even a shell of himself, not even that much. and what looks like, from my perspective anyway, from where I'm sat, an outright refusal on his part to get himself ready for his WWE run. That's unforgivable. And yeah. anyone can have a bad match, right? Anyone can. So the best workers in the world, maybe not Kurt Angle, but most people have a bad matches in their time, right? Okay, Bret Hart had a match with Bob Backlund at WrestleMania 11, which sucked. Just for example, right? Pull out of the air, right? It can happen. Of course it can. But... You know, you know that Bret Hart and Bob Backlund, they wanted that match to be good. It just didn't happen. Mm. Scott Steiner turned up for this. You know, it's like they're at a wedding. You're two hours late. You know, your ties round your neck. Your your, your (laughs) shoes are covered in God knows what. And you spilt Vince McMahon's JD down your front. And you you are that guy in the Murphy's advert. I was the first boy in Cork to kiss her. You're that guy, right? Uh, this was Scott Steiner here, and it's just unforgivable. It's absolutely unforgivable. We'll get into the minute time in a minute. I promise we'll have to, but just on a general high-level point, Callum, he, he should be fucking ashamed of himself for this, shouldn't he? 
Yeah, because you... unprofessionalism to the nth degree. Yeah, because you know... I mean, the man isn't getting paid buttons. He's not getting paid, but like, $1,500 a night. Or, or, or whatever. Like, he's, he's, he's being paid handsomely to, to show up out of shape. I, I don't even know if he's unmotivated, because he might have been motivated, but not motivated enough to get himself into, into working condition. And... You could have put all the bells and whistles on it. They had they had flair at ringside. They had Triple H, and my God, Triple H was trying. Uh, okay, he, there was a time that, like after the umpteenth belly to belly, Triple H is still throwing himself about. Oh yeah. To, to to try and get to try and make Scott Steiner look good. It's not for the want of trying. It's best in this match. He really did. I yeah. will put that on record right now. He knew this match was going down the fucking pan after seven yes. minutes. And he, and Flair to some extent too, no, did everything they could to try to salvage it. I will yeah. give them both credit for that. I really will. They they tried. Yeah, you, you've got two guys in there who know how to construct, who do know how to construct a wrestling match, whether you like them or not. The guy has got, Triple H is, is very, very intelligent when it comes to that sort of thing. And, and yeah, I mean, it was just... Steiner gave him nothing, and it gave him nothing in return. And... It, Triple H has Triple H could easily have made a mug of Scott Steiner, um, and yeah. he could he could have he could have completely he could have completely shafted him in his first night back, and and he he, he didn't, which is making which is making you think that everything's pointing towards go round number two, and he, he might not be as forgiven the second time round, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just. It was unbelievable. It's just it, it was it was shockingly bad. As you see, Undertaker and, and Giant Gonzalez, the match that that match is never constructed to be good. Any of the Undertaker matches from from sort of the, the mid nineties aren't constructed to be five star classics. You're, but you're talking about Bret and you're talking about Kurt Angle. I mean, even the two of them, two of the very best ever to do it, would have struggled to get a good match out of Scott Steiner. That's how. That's how bad he was in this match. I mean, the rumour mill is that Scott Steiner was not exactly welcomed with open arms into the locker room. You know, he's made his enemies over time, but that's not an excuse. You know, surely that should be motivation for him, should it not? Now, I'll fucking show you, but uh, he plods his way down to the ring after 90 seconds when it spills outside. Now, he's clearly sucking wind, you know. His cardio made Ultimate Warrior look like Haile Gabrasselassie out there for crying. <laughs> uh, well, that's a comparison. That's why you tune into this podcast, everybody. <laughs> um, the 476 zillion belly-to-belly suplexes. Now, Callum, you're a bit of a gamer. We've talked about this in the past. But WWF, Warzone, and Attitude, you know, if you did the same move four or five times in, in a row, you know, you would stop taking energy off your opponent and the crowd mm-hmm. would boo you. Yes. You must remember this one, right? I know it's very difficult on those games because you have it's like you have to enter a nuclear launch code to do a body slam. So you have ever pressing pause to bring up the move list. So I understand it. But when you realize that it's left, down, up, A, B, and the C left button to do a monkey flip, then you're going to keep doing it over <laughs> and over again. But it's not going to work to help you win the match and climb up that row of tellies that you have on WWF Warzone for some reason. <laughs> never, never understood that one. But yeah, but, um. <laughs> but, it, 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 but it was almost as I mean, you you described a nuclear launch code to do a monkey flip. It was as if Scott Steiner couldn't be asked to to to, to even do the nuclear launch code. He's just like, okay, left left B, 
That'll do me. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Body slam. Belly to belly. Left, left B, left, left A. That's fine. That's all they're going to get. Not, there's there's no right directional button here. It's, oh, yeah, I mean, it's just... And even, like, you're, you're talking about he, he's not overly he's not overly welcome. And th- there might be something in that, because if you look at all the thingy, I mean, NWA TNA's big guy over the summer was but the Grandmaster Sexy. Do you not, are you not telling me that they could have done with Scott Steiner? Even NWA TNA didn't want Scott Steiner over the summer. Or think, yeah. And and the NWO even like had the good graces to to at least have the facade that they wanted to be team players when they came back at the start of last year. I, I, yeah, I just get the impression that Scott Steiner is there for a paycheck and just can't be asked otherwise. I have seen some scuttlebutt, and ever with these things, there's probably a kernel of truth in it that Steiner intentionally dogged it because he wasn't winning the title here. Having seen his jobbing face at, say, Starcade 97 and other places too, I can well believe that. But again, these might be reasons, but they're not excuses. No, it's your, I, it's your, it's your first night back. I mean, at least have the, at least put a face on it for the first night. Quite right. Yeah, and then okay. and then throw your tantrum afterwards. Yeah. Again, maybe even that's give him too much credit. Maybe the fact that Scott, the fact is quite simple that Scott Steiner fucking sucked in this match. I mean, that's definitely yeah. what was before our eyes. You know, yes. Anything ulterior, perhaps. But the only thing we can definitely go on is the 18 minutes this match lasted for. And his performance was disgraceful. Yes. And I would tell him that to his face. I would get Callum McDougall. <laughs> I, I, will, I will happily <laughs> let you do that in a, in a different room to where I am. Well, the next time he's, he's doing the, the Glasgow Christmas talk, which may not be too long by the sounds of it, there's many more of these performances, then uh, just let him know I said it, OK? But when, when they come on their post-WrestleMania tour this year, I'll have a sign that says, Rory says you're rubbish. <laughs> At Wrestling 20 YRS. Oh, yeah. How's going to get me on that? MSN handle or something. Yeah, because you've got R-M-H-R-B-H on your thing at the bottom. This man, this man's done his homework. This man's done his homework. He's seen the music I've seen up on my Windows Media profile. <laughs> you start the fire and start the fire with me. You are the air I breathe. I'm just, oh, all the fire. Yes, this match was terrible. <laughs> long, long story short. Very, very long story short. And one of the worst we've ever seen for what it represented. Just somebody who just treated the fans, the paying public, with outright disrespect yes. and i don't ask for five star matches up and down the shoot in pro wrestling not at all i come into watching wwe preparing to be disappointed look at the match we talked about just before this one but to make your debut at the royal rumble and give a performance like that with no mitigating circumstances other than your own laziness and sloth It's just plain wrong. Now, this stuff is meant to be entertainment. And it's supposed to be a two-way street. Okay. Yes, you want fans to be infused. You want them to pay the money. You want them to order the pay-per-views. But if somebody you have signed and given such... And this is what he serves up? I don't know. Buyer's remorse. 
so it should be they're getting a rematch next month so there we are oh, excellent I, I, I've said I've said to you on, on, on a couple on a few occasions that having a bad match is forgivable because as you say you, you've said it there having a bad match happens okay sometimes guys don't click sometimes for whatever reason just the wrestling gods conspire against them and, and the match doesn't turn out the way it was having a boring match is unforgivable the difference between a bad match and a boring match, this somehow ma- managed to be both. And that's like the worst crime you could commit in a wrestling ring. They could have they could have actually taken a dump in the middle of the wrestling ring and it would have been more entertaining than the dump that they actually laid down. I say they, Scott Stein laid down because as we uh, yeah, without, without, without the point, Triple H did try. Indeed, considering the control or lack of that Scott Steiner had of his faculties, you know, if the match had been two minutes longer, that probably would have been next. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, maybe that's like, it was a risky move to do the Steiner recliner at that point in time. <laughs> oh, Sid Undertaker come back, all is forgiven. <laughs> Right then, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit for the WWE title. You've only got a show, promotion and profession to save, but if anyone can. Team Angle tries to ward Benoit off, but they get sent to the back very quickly. I'm a fan of both Haas and Benjamin, but really, no distractions necessary for this one. Big headlock exchange right from the bell, and Benoit goes for an early grapevine, but Angle wriggles free. Tight lock up next, and they work an arm drag block like the masters they are, and there's a drop kick by Benoit. Another leg lock attempt, but Angle scampers to the ropes. This is already on a different level, and they haven't really done anything yet. Gorgeous suplex by Kurt for the first near fall, and oh mama, those chops they're exchanging. Feel every beat. Chops can be cruel, he said, so Benoit just smashes him in the fucking head, and then chops him some more. And that angle wrestles control. No, Benoit gets it back with a a neck snap. This match really will be a first among equals affair, I feel. Snap DDT by Benoit onto the apron. I do believe that is the hardest part of the ring. Back in and a two count is scored. Benoit goes for the headbutt, but for now at least he misses and Angle has some time. Angle slam is reversed into a sharpshooter, and I called it such this time, and with more grace than a similar attempt earlier. Angle selling is magnificent and gets to the ropes fairly quickly all the same. Side suplex by the Wolverine and a cover gets two. Belly to belly suplex by Angle and that is how you do it. Ah, belly to belly suplexes. So I think I was sick of that move a few minutes ago and a hard face slam onto the guardrail. Short arm clothesline gets a two and only now do we get our first rest hold. Although calling a cross face chicken wing applied by Kurt Angle a rest hold is grossly unfair, McNamara. Arm drag out by Benoit. How do you even do that? But Angle is right back on him with a side suplex and another near fall. And then a hard double clothesline for a double down. They slug it out centre ring with quarter nowhere to be found. And I think it's time for some rolling Germans. Okay, how about some rolling Germans from both guys? Taz, I tell you, this is awesome. Somebody shouldn't make a chant out of that. Benoit up again, but Angle launches himself to the top rope and hurls him three quarters of the way across the ring. Believe me, I counted. Such speed and poise and precision. Take that, Alan Hansen. Angle hooks on a hold, but Benoit in the blink of an eye counters to the crossface. Crowd are willing the end here, and not the way they were in the previous match, but Kurt is holding on. And to the ropes he gets. Kurt, though, yanks him away from the ropes with his own ankle lock, but Kurt 180 counters out of it. Seriously, just watch the thing. And stands right up into his own version. But Benoit snatches that back into the crossface. This is just otherworldly professional wrestling. Again, those two words professional 
wrestling. Angle with a cradle for two, but then we're right back into the crossface. They roll around onto their feet. Seriously, mates. And now an angle slam for one, two. Oh, that was a beautifully timed kick out. The ankle lock is on now. And we are right in the middle of the ring. But Chris kicks off. They scrap over a German, but a rolling prawn help by Benoit. All nabs are close too. So fast I couldn't say rolling prawn hole properly. And now a German suplex that Angle takes right on his bonds. Now, I might be the podcast legend, thank you, but I don't think even I am suitably qualified to even transcribe this stuff. And now it's time for the headbutt. A full nine-tenths across the ring this time. And he only bloody makes it. He's favouring his head, though. It still makes the cover. And, oh, Angle is out at two point all of the nine. Crossface again. The champ sells it with dead eyes, but then with his last breath grabs an ankle lock out of it. Laws of physics, laws of smidgics. Angle is not letting go despite Benoit's best efforts. He knows now this is the only way he can beat the guy. So he grapevines on the way down, and after some more desperate attempts to hold on, Benoit has no choice but to tap. The name on the marquee, Callum. The name on the marquee. Tap, tap, tap. Yeah, it's unbelievable how you can go from the ridiculous to the sublime in 20 minutes. It, it, the, the, these matches were probably like roughly the same length. One felt like it took an eternity. One went by in a flash. Um, I am I, I, I'm not as big a fan of the trilogy, the 2001 trilogy, as as many people. I'm not overly, I'm not an overly big fan of the WrestleMania match, um, at 17. Don't let Eric Landstrom hear you say that. <laughs> well, I hope he's distracted by his abacus because that was his match of the year. Well, that is why, that is why I've been bringing out all these stats for the start, so hopefully <laughs> to distract yeah. from that bad take. <laughs> but this match was, this match was excellent. Um. I think you. I think you were right. What what you said at the very start. This is match. I mean, we are in barely three weeks into the new year, and this is match of the year written all over it. They will. It's something is going to need to be very very special from the for the rest of this year to come close to to this. It, it was just. It was. It was superb. Uh, certainly the best match of the best match of I've, I've seen these two guys have. But sometimes I I think they could have for. Strange because they're so similar in styles and they're so very similar in, in everything that they do that sometimes it comes across like they get anti chemistry like the like the ultimate submission match I didn't feel for whatever reason didn't didn't work for me because I didn't feel like anything about it clicked this that just everything this this was this was square peg into very neatly sized square hole. This everything about this was just perfect, and uh, as you say, yeah, uh, the, the 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 main man might prefer the entertainment part of it, but this was certainly this was certainly the wrestling part of the of, of the company. It was just, and they they do tend to surprise us every now and again, where they'll just randomly end up just having a like they, they will be a a, a wrestling clinic 
on, on some of these shows and I don't think it's a coincidence that it's come on the SmackDown side of things with, with given who's given who's in, in charge on that side. But yeah, this is just this was this was professional wrestling at its finest. Yes, there might be matches and there probably are matches that I will continually like more than this one. Okay, let's talk about Bret Owen at WrestleMania 10. Yes, the wrestling in that match was utterly exceptional. High, high class professional wrestling with two of the best to ever do it. But that was not carried, absolutely not carried, but augmented by its storyline, I think it's fair to say. And I think a lot of the very best WWF, WWE matches have that attached to them because this is entertainment, pal. This one didn't really have much of a story other than what they told in the 19 minutes in the ring. Which, call it headcanon, if you will, I took to mean the two best wrestlers in the company wrestling each other at their best for 20 minutes to win the ultimate prize, the WWE title. And that's the only story we needed. We talk about people when they come to cut promos that the best way to do it is just to give them bullet points. No, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit had one bullet point for this match. Go out there and have a fucking barn burner. And they didn't do that. They went even better. To the point where I'm not going to break down some of the exchanges and the moves. I think my play-by-play, which itself pales into comparison to the match, but that's all you need. You need a description and you need to see it. I don't feel like it's on my pay grade to analyse the wrestling here. I think I'd be doing them a disservice to even try to do so. Because this was just the best that I've ever seen. And that's not hyperbole. I've seen very possibly the worst match in WWE history. Certainly one of the worst title matches. And now we get what for me could very well be the best pure wrestling match we will ever see in the company. The stuff they were doing here almost doesn't belong in a WWE ring. I mean, this was pure Karukan Hall six-star stuff. And, of course, Callum Dave Meltzer only gave this match four and three quarters in The Observer. Because, of course, he fucking did. Because he just won't let it go, will he? (laughs) Won't let it go. Look, mate, you got the better of Vince McMahon on Donahue. 11 years ago okay you don't need to keep twisting the knife okay this McMahon probably had boggle to do with this match anyway okay just give the guys the five stars they deserve yeah I mean because they didn't put they did not put a foot wrong and they set the difficulty level so high higher than they needed to and they just hit it every step of the way and the crowd were fucking eating it up now I've said that pro wrestling in the WWE can be quite a hard sell but this Boston crowd, and admittedly, it's a good place to do it. Yeah. They were wrapped for pure wrestling. Yeah, I mean, this is, if you're going to do a match like that, there's only certain places you could do matches like this. Yes. New York, Boston, Chicago, places like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 doing it, and, and why you would, would, would do something like this, choosing, I don't know, somewhere like Tacoma, Washington, to, to, to do something like this. Or anything, you know, more more you mentioned. Imagine doing something that. that's supposedly going to change the foundation of the very company into Cobra yeah, Washington. I know. The next 
when the next week you're going to be somewhere down south. Imagine that. Eh? I know. I know. Imagine choosing Tacoma, Washington. I have no disrespect to anyone from Tacoma, Washington listening. I'm going to wait a whole week to do so. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's and I think you're, you're talking about you're talking about bullet points. This this reeks of Heyman was like the the agent for this one, and he just he they're like they're going right. Tell him to do this. So like, it's okay, boss. I'll tell him what to do. And he's <laughs> and, and he's that he his one thing was just go out and do what you do. This yeah. reeked of this match wouldn't have been out of place in 1995 in the ECW arena. It's it's get that it had that. Eddie Dean Malenko vibed it where they just where they were told to go out and do what they do. Um yeah, and just everything the the, the crowd and the crowd obviously always plays a plays a part. If this this match probably would have been still excellent if it was played in front of crickets. Oh yeah. Um the fact that they had an excellent Boston crowd eating everything they did, biting on every every fall, every near tap out, it's just it was the it was the perfect the, the perfect package. And I think you you're you sometimes it's easy. You're quite right in what you say that Brett Owen had had the story line behind it. So did so did Austin Brett for the, the two matches at Survivor Series and, and, and WrestleMania. Sometimes the easiest thing to, as you say, to, to the easiest story to tell is I'm better than you, and I'm going to show you that I'm better than you. And I'm going to win you pretty well. Yeah, I think it's about the war. If they've got, I, 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 Chris Benoit before the injury was obviously getting his getting his main event push sort of maybe helped by Triple H's Triple H's un, untimely injury at the same time, but they they were going somewhere with him, and he looked as if they were they were. Maybe not going to pull the trigger there and then, but certainly by this point you thought they would have pulled the trigger on him. But if they don't see that Chris Benoit is a major, major star for their company, I, I don't think I don't think they ever will because the guy is superb. Yeah, I'm, I could talk about this match for hours, but just one more thing because you know we haven't got hours. I could make us have hours. Bonus episode. Yeah. the... <laughs> Eddie Dean match you mentioned there, Callum, is an excellent comparison point. Especially the trilogy was amazing, but for me, the first match, it was Hostile City Showdown, the first match. That felt like something beamed in from another planet when I first watched it. And even now, eight years on, I'm still learning new things about wrestling every time I watch that match. And this feels like the WWE version of that, in which Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit were allowed to go out there and wrestle 10 out of 10, red zone, fuck it, 100 out of 100, 100 out of 10, even if you like, you know, numbers be damned. This was the very best wrestling match they were allowed to muster in a company where wrestling is not the most important thing. And even on SmackDown, as we discussed earlier, no room needs to be made <laughs> yes. for other stuff, pal. But just for those 20 minutes, you know, we call it living in a bubble, if you will, but I didn't want it to pop. And the standing ovation that Chris Benoit got entirely deserved. Yes. But really, it was for both guys. Or it should have been at the very least. Angle had taken his leave like the great heel that he is. Uh, Nicholas Belt, gone off with his mates and pissed off. Fine. But every single one of those claps was for him too. And if it wasn't, I was leading it for those 20,000 here in my house at 2am when I was watching this pay-per-view live. 
Yeah, I, I'm gushing I, I, uncontrollably over this match. We still got the Royal Rumble to come. I'm. <laughs> I think this is. I think this is as good as it can get in the WWE. And I'm not going to pretend I'm a tape trader. You know, I don't run spreadsheets. I'm not going to, you know, spend my January watching rare stuff from 1978. You know, I, I, I don't know anybody who would do that. For, for example, you know, nobody caliber I ever come across. But so I don't go out hunting for stuff. Okay, so I accept that. I'm a bit of a pleb in that regard, right? A bit of an e-head, if you will, right? But <laughs> why would you go looking for anything else? You know, this is it in the most mainstream wrestling promotion there is, you know, the McDonald's or the Coke or whatever, you know, look at the prime state. Look at the fucking IPA they've given you here. You were talking, you were talking there about the, the, again, the the Eddie um, Dean comparison. The the one other match that that comes to mind is, um, uh, Hoovy and Ray from 96, but it was Big Ass Extreme Bash. 96, yes. where they were out, they went out, and their their number one goal was show these people something they don't see all the time. And if you're looking at if you're looking at Scott Steiner Triple H, and that's what you're used to watching the WWE, and then you watch Chris Benoit and and um, Kurt Angle. I feel bad if anyone was sitting watching this with somebody who is maybe new to wrestling or they're just trying to get into it and they watched that World Heavyweight Championship match because if they think this is this is the best guys, this it's is the best guys like they've got. Yeah. They they would have turned off before Absolutely. they got to before they Absolutely. got to this before they got to this. It was just and you we think like the, the no mer the, the tag match for No Mercy last year, you think that was as good as it gets. And then they they came out with and I don't think it's any coincidence that uh Two of the same guys were were in the ring for this one. Just yeah, funny that. If 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 you haven't guessed it by now, the two of us loved this match. So if find somebody who if you didn't see it live, find somebody who taped it, or right. when this DVD comes out, get it day one and watch this match first. You will not be disappointed. You'll thank us. You'll thank us. It might be a while until you thank us because I'll be watching the match on repeat. But you know, I'm, I'm not going to hold any grudge again. I should, in fact, if you tell me 20 minutes after you bought it, you love this match, not good enough. You know, you know, you haven't watched it 10 or 15 times, please. Then we can talk. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a three-hour show. If you want to watch this enough <laughs> times for for three hours, then 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 feel free. But for those who do want to watch the Rumble match as well, I suppose we should, Callum. You know, for the for the sake of posterity. I suppose so. One more time. What a fucking. RVD, it's a little bit after the Lord Mayor show this, but we must go on. RVD is stretching backstage where his buddy and tag team partner Kane intervenes. They do the usual, hey, if I have to throw you out, I will thing. But I always enjoy it a little more than I probably should. Howard Finkel does the introductions for the Rumble, and I would not have that any other way. It's all in the way he says the word thereafter, isn't it? And, you know, I always feel like I want to brainwash myself. that I don't know the Rumble rules every year, so I can have Howard Finkel tell me. Well, some sometimes it's different. It's different times between the guys, so you have to listen intently. Sometimes it's two minutes. Sometimes it's ninety seconds. Sometimes it's sixty seconds. <laughs> Only if you're desperate. Speaking of which, number one is indeed Shawn Michaels, and he gets his full entrance. Though I do sort of miss his five-year-old with their first spark on bonfire night pyro from 1996. Uh, hand over fist now, pal. Y2J's music cranks up now, as we were all expecting. But hang on a second. That's Christian, isn't it? 
Everybody is surprised by that. And then Jericho sneaks in from behind and whacks HBK right in the balls. He gives him the peace of his mind he has been praying on. For, sorry, he gives him the peace of his mind that's been praying on his for so long and then just destroys Michaels with a chair. Oh, this is different. HBK does the injured chick sell, but only he can. And here comes number three, Chris Nowinski. He wisely waits his moment, though, and waves Jericho on, who is only too happy to oblige. Y2J then picks Michaels up and drops him over the top rope. Easy as pie. Callum, as a long-time listener, you will know we normally get through the first 10 before we do our first Rumble recap. But really, with a start like that, we have to give that its own discussion point. It only deserves it. Bloody hell. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> just just when you think they've they, 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 they've used all their potential ideas for for a Royal Rumble, they come out they come out with this, and I was not expecting it. I thought it, I thought it was really really well done, and it it, it, it it helps that you've got such a smarmy smarmy character in Christian to 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 do the entrance, and yeah, it was just it was it was. It was it was bloody brilliant. Um, I had I, for weeks I was gearing up for uh, having these two having these two start, and it's just it was a it was it was a bait and switch that wasn't egregiously bad. You're just like yeah yeah this was this was brilliant. Thank you for, thank you for duping me out of two minutes of of uh, Sean and uh, Sean and Jericho, but oh but what yeah just. What what a what a way to kick off the to kick off the match. Yeah, the crowd were that they'd been up and down a bit in the show to say the very least. They were absolutely blown away that a they did the fake out and b that Jericho eliminated him so easily. You know there was no real struggle. He whacked him with a chair a few times and that was it. Blip over mm-hmm. the top rope. There you go. And that was bloody fun. You know, fair play to Michaels for agreeing to all this. By the way, uh, we <laughs> I don't think. 2002 Shawn Michaels is necessarily quite as far removed from 96-97 Shawn Michaels as he would have us believe but this was incredibly selfless on his part and I think we all know where this is going to end up in a couple of months time that to use the rumble as the conduit to do it when Michaels would have been I'd say one of the favourites to win it in kayfabe now that takes that takes some balls not that Michaels had any left after and whoever it was who came up with this Maybe it was in Vince himself. And then, <laughs> oh, I kind of hope it wasn't in a way because I thought it was great. But this was marvellous. And if there's one criticism I have of Royal Rumbles, that things rarely happen right from the very off these days. You know, we're a long way removed from Axe and Smash being numbers one and two. But I tell you fucking what, this was right up there with something like that. And... The whole point of a rumble outside of the winner is to build and develop other feuds. I can't think of a better way. People probably would have wanted it to be, say, 20 minutes of back and forth, Jericho and Michaels. They go at it for two minutes. Then Chris Nowinski comes in. Then they're still in there. They pair off with other people. Then they go back and fight each other when, say, numbers eight or nine. No, no. Jericho got the better of him. Eliminates Michael from the rumble. And with the storyline they're going for, that Jericho is just hell-bent on trying to overcome Michaels. And I thought they were going a bit too far with the old Jericho's got to be number one story a couple of weeks ago. But here, they made it all made sense. And that is fantastic writing, whoever came up with it. Yeah, yeah, completely. 
com- completely agree because it was it's all based on I'm not a Shawn Michaels wannabe. I am the first Chris Jericho, and it's just like yeah, away with you. That's I I, I am better than you, and I've just shown you because I've you're past it. I'm the, yeah. I am I'm not the new enemy. Well, I've shown um, you. Yeah. I've you, I've outboxed you, and I've dumped you out the rumble to boot. Yeah. Now, do, we, do we know? I, 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 may, I may have missed this along the way. Do we know what, what Sean's long-term status is? <laughs> Reading through the sheets, nobody seems to outright know. There are rumours, if you look at, say, the WWE notebook section of the torch, that Michaels might well be outright going back on the road after WrestleMania. Bloody Chances yeah. are he won't be appearing at the No Way Out pay-per-view. He will be appearing at Mania. Guess who mm-hmm. against? And he could be coming back full time after that. Not confirmed. No word from Michaels himself on this. But I think some people have got early advance of some of the booking sheets for house shows after Mania. And Michaels is at least listed on them. He doesn't necessarily have mm-hmm. an opponent yet, but some of them he's going to be there, certainly in the A towns and places like Boston and New York, for example. So. Uh, it, it, this could be a second go round for Michaels. We don't know that yet, but yeah. it's looking that way. But that would that would that that in itself would that that would be that would be like incredible. But even even if we just get like a even if it does six months and just we just get like if we get a dream match retirement run for Sean that he never got before. But yeah, I mean that's just the the, the news that he might be going on the road permanently. Uh, for, for you, you, the, the words there, second go round. Uh, you have just, um, you've just made a, you've just made a, a, an old man very happy there, Rory. Because yeah, his first one was all right, wasn't it? It, it was, it was uh, you, you could say it was probably, it was probably half decent. Should like, be easy enough to pass though, eh? I'm sure Jericho could do it. You know, what's he worrying about? Oh, he's, he's, <laughs> what's I, he got I mean, to try to attain after Shawn Michaels' first run, really? he's like. Uh, he's pro- he's probably like like your your, your man Zidane. He's he's, he's alright, isn't he? He's run so far, has been not too bad. Oh, that is a comparison. I tell you what, <laughs> yeah, some, some somebody was there at Hamden last year. <laughs> Best goal I've ever seen. This is a man who saw John Jensen score against QPR eight years ago. Everybody, <laughs> so you know he's not easily pleased. <laughs> Number four is Rey Mysterio, so we're not slowing down early here, although I think I might be. He and Y2J do some lovely stuff right off the bat. They're clearly very comfortable very comfortable with one another, and the Winsky still won't get in. Ray holds onto the ring post, stay in, yes, the ring post, and now the Winsky seizes his moment. Edge is number five, and he's not hanging about either. He and Ray give us some welcome no mercy flashbacks. Uh, you've been usurped now, gents. And they throw Jericho through the ropes. The tag partners then go at it with Ray missing the 619 and then a very ambitious spot while they both teeter above the floor over the ropes by inches. I'm pretty sure Edge's feet actually touched the ground there, and that would be a first in this household, let me assure you. Uh, what chance have I got? Number six is Christian, the quick change artist, and he tries to talk Edge into remembering old times. Doesn't go too well for this chap. Nowinski tries to dump both Ray and Edge, thinks he succeeded, and then receives the botched double drop kick that brings back Rocker's Twin Towers memories. See, there you go. HBK, eh? Fucking shit. Charvo <laughs> uh, is number seven. Yeah, carry on. I can't mark what he and Ray do here, though, including a successful 619 and a West Coast pop. 
He then runners the Winsky out while staying afloat, but then Jericho returns and dumps out Ray. Boo! Well, eight entrances to Jiri, so plenty of quality workers are front-loading this thing. Jericho and Edge do the lazy lead in the corner, nothing much else doing. Speaking of which, number nine is Bill the Mott. It was fun while it lasted. Another lull other than a tease to Jericho elimination takes us up to number 10. It's Tommy Dreamer and his sack of weapons. He'll be doing this until he bloody dies, won't he? I remain thoroughly unimpressed by his kendo stick use, but then he and Edge teaming up to smack Demot out sits rather easily with me. And then Dreamer goes easily. Have you not worked it out yet, Tommy? Do you not see what they're doing? Sadly to Jer- <laughs> sadly to Jiri's tarantula is blocked by Jericho and he is gone as well. Callum, quick thoughts on the first 10 there. Um, some pretty good wrestlers in there, given a chance to do some pretty good wrestling. But hey, not too much, hey guys. Don't scare the horses. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, 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 I'm, you're never going to find me complaining where you've got um, Edge, Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho, uh, all in all in, in, in the ring at, at the early part of a Royal Rumble. But then you also get the yearly, oh yeah, he still works there uh, with <laughs> Bill DeMott coming in. Um, you said you didn't appreciate Tommy Dreamer's kendo stick use. I don't think Chris Jericho did either, looking <laughs> no, at the state no, of his forehead. That's true. Uh, after it, and uh, just a just a point of note for the the, the warrior that is Chris Nowinski because he took an absolutely brutal looking oh, God. hit to the face. Um, so it was it was all happening injuries galore at, at, at the first part of the rumble here. I mean, I hope Chris Nowinski doesn't come back to you know being whacked in the face by that. I hope I hope that's the last we hear of Chris Nowinski taking shots to the head. I really do. <laughs> hope <laughs> we can but hope for his sake absolutely we don't want to hit, I, don't, I don't want him turning up on five live being interviewed by nicky campbell in the 2010s or something you know i <laughs> know <laughs> heaven forbid where do i get these ideas from b2 <laughs> is number 11 and his mother might care maybe we don't have long to find out though because edge slings him right out to the floor he then spears Chavo out, but Jericho still holds on and skins the cat. <laughs> and then he recovers to dump Edge and Christian. Great facial expression by Jericho here, as he is the only man left in at the moment, until RBD joins him as number 12. Really fun stuff from the two of them, and the fans are still into Rob. They really are. He tries to slingshot out Jericho, but still he holds on. Number 13 is Matt Hardy, and today's Matt fact, he strongly dislikes mustard. But, but, but Coleman's, man... These three also go well together. Van Damme hits the five star, which brings out Eddie Guerrero at 14. I tell you what, this agenting lark, bloody piece of piss, mate. Lovely exchanges between the two of them, including his own frog splash. Matt then turns on him with a twist of fate, and Jeff takes us up to the halfway mark of 15. He looks like he's already bleeding. He tries to get revenge on his brother, but Shannon Moore blocks the elimination. That was amusing. He then lays on top of Matt, which just encourages Jeff further. 16 is Rosie in his dirty south top. Jeff nearly backdrops Matt out. Jericho is still in there. Number 17 will be Test and Stacey Keebler. He lays waste to everybody as the ring is just starting to develop a bit too much for my liking. Y2J again holds on, and I think I know what they're doing with this. 18 is John Cena. He can't actually find a rhyme for Royal Rumble, which will tell you what we're dealing with here. Oh, and I'll tell you what, mate. I am not having explaining you rhyming with WrestleMania. His style is like a swollen penis. You can't beat him. Well, let's find out. Number 19 is Charlie Haas using his leader's music, which seems to confuse the crowd a bit. Again, not much going on now, although when I type that, Jeff gets thrown off the top rope and out by Rob Van Dam. 
great rope walk walk great rope walk rana by eddie to jericho i need to watch the alliteration in these notes trip over it all the time rikishi is out at number 20 with super kicks for all we get the stare down with rosie just seven years late chaps but no stink face for matt or shannon moore uh we will go into the final 10 with jamal but callum recap there probably won't take you that long no um it, it, it started with um like just all this, all the, the the really, really, really good guys that I like coming out at the same time. Van Dam, Eddie, uh, Matt Hardy, who almost tripped on his way to the ring. Uh, but it, the one downfall of Rumbles that I, you'll find very few criticism of a Royal Rumble from me, but one of them is it really does break down when there's too many guys in the ring, and this one suffered in this middle part of the match because it just they didn't. There was, there must have been a good double figures in the ring at one point. Uh, they just kept coming in and didn't get. Nobody was nobody was getting eliminated, so it did break down a bit. Not a lot happened. Yeah, I thought the test was going to be the Deadwood guy. No pun intended. Of course, the fuck it was. But that didn't happen, and we got to number twenty, and I was just picking an area to try to focus on, as I often do in rumbles in this situation. It's one of the. <sighs> They're hard to recap. All I've really got here is number 17 is, number 18 is, number 19 is, and maybe just a smattering of action. Because if I were just to report all the forearms and the pretend throwouts, we'd be here a while. That's time I could be talking about Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit, for example. You're on my time on this podcast, everybody, so I'm (laughs) going to keep it brief. But even people who love Rumbles, and I would absolutely put myself in that category, I think in an unguarded moment, we would have to admit that never always a ton of action going on and you've got to have somebody i think every four or five just to clear the ring a little bit and it didn't happen in the first 20 it barely happened in the first 30 as we will get to which i think we really should now so i said jamal is number 21 he does get the stink face but that's all until kane is out at 22 uh but first of all he brings rico into the ring no that's not what he wanted but he does backdrop rosie out which is a start Matt and Shannon get a double choke slam in the ring. Jericho's holding on. Shelton Benjamin is 23 and everybody has worked out the music thing now. Matt holds on after an attempt from RBD and I've completely lost track. Else, don't mind admitting. Number 24 will be Booker T then and the ring clears for him to do the spinner Rooney. Ah, he then gets rid of a charging Eddie Guerrero. Ah, nobody else goes though as we hit number 25 already and it's A train. Big power bombs for Cena and Shelton. Every entrant just seems to get an early flurry, followed by not much else. A worrying trait, I'll be bound. Wait a minute, a bandage up Michaels is back. He, of course, goes straight for Jericho, but Cena nearly cuts him off. Yeah, stay in your lane, pal. This then leaves a confused Jericho prey to finally be tossed with nary a second thought by, uh, Test? No, that's not the elimination I wanted Test to do. It's a choice. Anyway, I don't think we'll be talking about that too much at Mania, so I'll let it go for now. A furious Michaels then body presses Y2J and punches him into oblivion before being seen away by officials. I wonder when Michaels and Jericho will be in the ring together again. Oh yeah, Maven was 26. Gold does 27. Shattered Dreams for 26 from 27. But then he goes at the hands of Team Angle. He'll make a great little unit. They then do the same to Booker T. On a roll. 28 will be Batista, and he lowers the boom on Test to get rid of him, and a close line to Rikishi to send him on his way. Okay, I think I know what's going on here. 
Speaking of which, Lesnar is out at 29. Team Angle, give it the old college try. Hold your applause, everybody. Hold your applause. But instead, well, I thought it was funny. And they say I laugh at my own jokes. I can waste it on you lot. But instead, Brock flings them both out. So there you go. I'm not going to do any more. Then F5's Matt Hardy on top of them both. I'll tell you what, Matt was in there for a bloody long time. Number 30 is The Undertaker, and he's on his bike to the ring, sadly. JR calls him the conscience of the WWE, and I'm not even touching that one. Cena get clotheslined out first. There you go. And Jamal goes in equally short order. Lightning doesn't strike twice for poor old Maven, and of course, Taker gets rid of him. Favor returned. Kane with a big choke slam to Lesnar. And that was suddenly down to six. See, that was too quick. That becomes five when RVD and Kane team up to eliminate A-Train. Kane no turns on RVD by failing to slam him on top of Batista, but instead throwing him over the top rope. In that way, so few people actually do in Royal Rumbles. So after all that, we are down to our final four, Callum. And that was all a bit too quick. Yeah, you, you've gone from one extreme to the other where you rattled off in the middle the middle ten, uh, ten guys coming in one after the other with and didn't mention very many eliminations. Um, to you've rattled off all these guys coming in, but you've also rattled off half the field getting eliminated. Um, there was I, I was quite surprised to see, as you said, Matt Hardy was in there for a good while. Um, good sign. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's certainly things are looking up for. Things are looking up for uh, for, um, for 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 Matt there, uh, which is quite surprising because you always thought that Jeff would be the Jeff would be the big guy coming out of the Hardys, but they seem to be they seem to be right on the uh, on the on, on the version one train. Um, yeah, uh, big. Um, I, I did like the element the Van Damme elimination, as you say, very very um, very nifty, and a big a big um, stage for for Batista. To be honest, we're talking about Reverend Devon earlier on, but within within the last year, he was holding a um, collection box for Reverend Devon, and now he's <laughs> final now he's final four in the rumble. Big big. I feel like we've mentioned big, big Reverend Devon far too many times today already, haven't we, Carl? <laughs> oh, I think there's there, there, there's room we mentioned at all last year. I think there's there, there's room for there's room for a couple more. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean this is this is a, a pretty good a pretty good and a, a pretty beefy final four. Yeah, I'll tell you what, the final four of Brock Lesnar, Undertaker, Kane and Batista. But WWE is owned by Vince McMahon. Yes. So, I'll tell you what, you know, your local Dewhurst doesn't have as much meat hanging on the ropes as this one fucking does. <laughs> so, unsurprisingly, I've written the exact words, plenty of meat slapping for a while until we get an F5 to Kane. Never not impressive. Brock and Undertaker do their thing once more, including a potentially match-fucking-up moment where Brock nearly legit threw him over the top rope and had to drag him back in. Somebody didn't like that. They recover with a tombstone, and then Batista is clotheslined out. Not the last of him. We'll see. I'd wager. Okay, I don't think it'd be that fast. (laughs) Maybe next year's Rumble, not five seconds later. But, okay, again, all very compressed my notes here. That he gets a chair shot for his trouble, just as Kane also gets sent packing. But Lesnar is then able to get up, push Taker out from behind, as planned this time, and win the 2003 Royal Rumble. Yeah. I didn't announce that with very much grandeur, but then, neither did they. Callum, the right winner, but again, just a oddly low-level innocuous way to do it now the undertaker is shouting abuse at batista 
and then Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, you know, just runs in and dumps him from behind, you know, as if he's a heel hiding under the ring for the whole one. I'm not having it. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not advocating for team angle being in the final four would have been slightly maybe too premature for them. But if you're going to do something, if if you're if you're absolutely banking on this storyline that Brock Lesnar has to overcome the odds, why is your final four not Brock, A Train, and Team Angle? All guys oh, that have yeah, got some some form of some form of affiliation with Paul Heyman. And then you have the big show come come back out. You've got it was yeah, it all seemed from from us talking about nobody getting eliminated to Brock Lesnar being the last man standing. It I mean, you're talking less than 10 minutes. It was all happened really, really quickly. He didn't have the... He did have his wee flurry at the start. What this match was missing as well, in the beginning, was a guy like Brock Lesnar just coming in and clearing house. Yeah. Yeah, it was all very, all very strange. I I feel that they could have... I feel that they could have done him winning so much... So much more Brock like. It seemed like a very, un, as you say, a very un Brock Lesnar way to win. He, he, he's been, since he's come out of the, the roster, he's been dominating everybody. And as you say, he sneaks up from behind to, to eliminate The Undertaker. Much as it's a big coup that he eliminates The Undertaker last, the conscience of the WWE and all that. Mm-hmm. It gives him the old Undertaker handshake 30 yeah. seconds later. Yeah. Like, <laughs> bat him for a bit. To show your dominance over the Undertaker, you've done it already. You've Absolutely. seen, like, un, unforgiven, no mercy. You've done it already. Do it again. Just because, just because you're a good guy now, doesn't mean that you can't beat the shit out of people. Very strange, as you say. Yeah, just a, a weak way to do it. And I think they could have regained a bit of lost goodwill from this rumble if they had Brock enter a little bit earlier. Still have him in the mid twenties, but because it's not as if. Now, going to Duke Josie again, the winner gets number 30. They gave him number 29. Now, if you're going to do that, you might as well give him number 30. But have him come out on a 22-23 and just dominate, eliminate six, mm-hmm. seven people. And whoever's last, just have him sling them out as well. If it is The Undertaker, if it has to be. Or even give Batista. They clearly got hopes for Batista for very obvious reasons. You know, Vince McMahon probably has very specific hopes for Batista, right? <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> so just, um, and he'll be sleeping on him tonight. Which is fine. But um, yeah, have Brock Batista be your final two. And Batista tries, 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 and Brock just picks him and fucking thinks about the ring. Now Batista will have plenty of other days in this company. You know, he's uh, he's fast tracked for very obvious reasons. So it's, it's not gonna hurt him any, not gonna set his development back one iota. And Brock gets a big elimination that probably looks the part as well, mm-hmm. which they can show in replay packages for the last next two months leading up to Mania. Him sneaking out behind Undertaker isn't even facing him and awkwardly dumping him over the top rope and then getting 45 seconds of celebration before the show goes off the air. I, no, it's all just angels dancing on the head of a pin with them and Brock Lesnar at the moment. It's, they've got him. He is already a superstar, no question about it. But that doesn't mean that you still don't have to work at it. Uh, it's, it's not just going to happen. It's... They booked him incorrectly the last two months. Now they've made a huge rod for their own back. Now they're going to need to try to overcorrect at this point quite a lot. And 
Lesnar winning the Rumble in the way he did, only by entering at number 29 as well, is not the way to do it. And they put themselves behind the eight ball. And they're going to need a fair few snookers here to mix my metaphors, at least one from me per show. Just before we sum up the pay-per-view, then just give us your thoughts on this Rumble match, Callum. I've got to say this one, I had very high hopes for it after the first three or four minutes, but that for me was as good as it got. And I would rank this one of our first 15 or 16 fairly low, I've got to say. But what would you, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm the same. Like the Royal Rumbles, by their very nature, that they're, they're, they're matches, unless it's going to be something like 1992. It's all about moments, as opposed to, the, as opposed to the match itself. This match, that this Rumble, other than the the Michaels Jericho stuff, had very few, if any, other memorable moments. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, you're, you're, you're. Spot on when you say that this is, this is this is down there with with your ninety fives and and the like. It was just, it was uh, it was very poor. Yeah, they absolutely shot their bolt with the Michael's Jericho stuff, which in a way I can understand because it was fantastic. Uh, that's, it's not enough, you know, fifty six minutes still to go. And if you're going to use your rumble for that angle, absolutely fine. You've got to have some supporting features too, and. There really wasn't very much. I, it's, there was a lot of good stuff, in-ring stuff, as much as you can in a Rumble, particularly in the first 10, but nobody's going to remember that. Now, that was forgotten as soon as the guys like Ray and Tajiri were dumped because they outlived their usefulness at that point. And it was time to go and let the real stars take over. So their work didn't really contribute to the quality of the Rumble through no real fault of their own because it is all about the stories in this sort of match. And there really weren't very many, well, Matt Hardy and Shannon Moore doing his dirty work. You know, that was entertaining. And as we said, okay, a good showing for Matt Hardy that might bode well for him. But in the context of the Rumble, it wasn't really that interesting and exciting. And it got rather repetitive after a while. And I'm really clutching at straws other than that. I think I would have put Team Angle in earlier and I would have had them do the, oh, what about that? Numbers 12 and 13 coming out together. And I'd have had them do some stuff for a good 10, 15 minutes and get a few eliminations. They did. But it was really rushed when they got there. And the pacing of this rumble was all off with 20 or 25 minutes with literally nothing happening. And as such, people who could have had a chance to shine didn't do so because it wasn't blocked out in a way that would give them the opportunities to showcase themselves. And I think this one probably avoids being in the absolute drag, say 95 and 99, because we did have the right winner. And Michael's Jericho does push it up, no question about that, but not by much. And this was definitely the cold pizza two nights after the takeaway. Pizza on a Sunday morning, best thing you ever had. Same pizza on a Monday morning. There's a reason you get it done on the Sunday. You don't wait until 3 a.m. on the Monday morning like we did here, at least in the (laughs) U.K. Questionable quality at best. Kind of like experts in this field, you know. Oh, yes. <laughs> Callum, so your thoughts on the Rumble pay-per-view as a whole and as is customary on this show, a score rating out of 10, if you please. Now, this will be, uh, this will, this will be very difficult because a lot of this stuff was, it's very middle of the road. Brock, Brock and Big Show was fine. Um, 
the rumble not great, but you do have one of the all time matches in the company to 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 show for to, to show for the show. Um yeah, I mean I, I didn't I, I found it better talking to you about it than I did probably watching a lot of the stuff. But you've got an all time good you've got an all time classic match and you've got an all time absolute stinker. I, I think I would probably need to go I, I think I would maybe go four and a half on it. And like a, a good four of that four and a half is that is is the is the angle Benoit stuff because everything else was completely missable. Yeah, I think this one's actually a fairly easy rank for me, and it's bang in the middle of five, pulled up by the greatest wrestling match in the history of the company, and yeah, yeah, hyperbole, eh? and a decent enough six-minute opener between Lesnar and Brock. And the Michael's Jericho stuff, as I keep mentioning, that's a point on its own to use the Chris White method because I love that, I really did. But even if you haven't matched the quality of Angle Benoit, you've still got Dormery and Tory. You've still got, in so many ways, the worst world title match we've ever seen. Mm. Which I don't even recommend watching for nuisance value. That match isn't so bad, it's good. It's so bad from one person, it's really fucking bad. So that's not one... On the first part of your pizza night, on the Friday evening, to gather your mates around and laugh at Scott Steiner. You won't be laughing by the end of it. So I can't recommend it. And a rumble match, which is definitely in the bottom tier of four or five. So really, say a rumble lives or dies, rumble pay-per-view lives or dies by the match itself. And I would agree with that. But thank God for Angle and Benoit this time. Otherwise, we could have been talking a really, really low score. But it's a five out of ten, and it's very possibly the greatest match we've seen in the company so far. Your mileage won't vary. Yeah, it was the show's just under three hours, and there's a good hour to an hour and a half in the middle that you could just probably skip. You really, really should. A couple more things to discuss before we round out for the month, and they're all based around returns. So Stephanie McMahon will do that one first, I think, because she wouldn't have it any other way, that she had a huge announcement. So big, not even, dear old, um, uh, I think he said Tajiri then. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> number two announcer, Tajiri. Good old Funaki, there you go, number one announcer. Even he wasn't fighting to the information. But it turned out to be the return of Hulk Hogan. And, you know, he milked the comeback for all it was worth. And, you know... Wasn't that big a pop? Sorry, it really wasn't. And then Vince McMahon comes out and they have a very, very stilted exchange that for me felt like somebody, probably Hogan, was missing their cue. I don't think they were adhering to the script there. Certainly Hogan wasn't. But the long and the short of it was Hulkamania is dead. And we are going to be leading to a WrestleMania match between Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon. Now, we are recording this before the final Raw and SmackDown of the week. But if I've read the sheets correctly, probably by the time you hear this, Hogan versus Rock 2 will be announced for No Way Out. And although we only saw him very briefly on the Raw's 10th anniversary programme, a lot of people saying that Rock is going to be a heel this time out, but that has not been confirmed by the top brass in WWE yet. But we do know it is going to be Hogan Rock 2 at No Way Out of Montreal. And Hogan Vince McMahon 
<laughs> a few stiff shots there, no doubt, at WrestleMania. Callum, just to fill in the gaps, Hogan left for reasons that were never satisfactorily explained towards the end of the year, although not wanting to put Brock over a second time is probably quite high up on the list. But they patched it up again. Hogan was talking about it being his last go round. I believe it when I see it, and I hope I do. The man's 50 years old, for goodness sake, and this time he's looking every bit of it. I don't think we're going to get the novelty value we had 12 months ago. Yes, I called it that. And this is only going to end in tears again, is it not? Because Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan meeting in the ring was very, very much art imitating life, I rather suspect. This ain't going to end well. No, I mean, it's ended in tears every single time since 1992. I mean, we've been, we've been, we've been on this merry-go-round before. Um, yeah, I mean, you thought, just when you think that Hulk Hogan is maybe a changed man, because he put over Kurt at the King of the Ring and then he puts over, he puts over, um, Brock the way he did. I mean, he did like because that was that was a side of Hulk Hogan you'd never seen before. But obviously, not wanting to put him over a second time. Uh, yeah, the real Hulk Hogan is never too far away. Um, but this is yes, you're you're quite right. This is going to end in tears. Either our tears having to watch a Hogan McMahon match at WrestleMania, or uh, for for Hogan and or McMahon when it inevitably goes south again. Because it will, as you say, you just know it will. Oh, it's when, not if. Um, I don't think any of us would be surprised if Hogan bails again before WrestleMania. Apparently it's in his contract that the match has to take place, and I'm sure he put it there, brother. But if it goes... okay, I'm going to give him the absolute benefit of the doubt here. If Hogan is still on our screens by Backlash, I will be astonished. This is just them patching up the WrestleMania card, which I don't think they need to do. No, we said last month that we're going to be getting Angle Lesnar. That's confirmed. We're obviously going to be getting Jericho Michaels. They're two huge matches already. Don't know what Rock's doing at Mania yet. We don't know what certain somebody else is doing at Mania yet, who we will talk about in a couple of minutes. But they're all going to be involved somehow. And Vince McMahon has by all accounts, really got the begging ball out for Hogan. And why does he keep doing this? Why does he let Hogan play him? This is WrestleMania 9 all over again, mm-hmm. where he panicked on Julia, went back to Hogan when the youth movement was supposedly in full session. And I even had my doubts about Hogan coming back last year. He allayed them to a point. But I certainly think as we got to July or August, the bloom was very much off the rose. And Yes, he put over Angle. Yes, he put over Benoit. Uh, no, he didn't put over Benoit. <laughs> I should say that was actually in the books, a Benoit match. I didn't mention that on the Survivor Series show, and I meant to. Didn't get past the planning stage. I mm, think even would, Benoit would have his work cut out in that one. That would have been that would have been an interesting match, to say the least. <laughs> didn't put over Lesnar the second time as well. I was trying to go with that. And then Hogan did a Hogan. Um the, the, the one thing no, that you're, no, I'm, not having, I'm not having a battle over Hulkamania either. I'm, I'm not doing it. Yes, Vince McMahon killed Hulkamania. He said though to cam said that to camera during his cure for a 
Cure for the Common Show speech in December 1997. The whole reason the WWE is where it is right now is because Hulkamania is dead. We don't need a fucking battle over it. Uh, yeah, Hulkamania is dead, but, you know, you went back to the red and yellow the first chance you got. And, mm, and, yeah, that's and, true. And in reality, like, all it would have taken was for one person in the Sky Dome that night to cheer for Hulk Hogan. He's like, that, oh, get the red and yellow back, pal. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but and, and the thing that the thing that you're talking about there is that potentially getting Hogan Rock too. There's no way that Hulk Hogan has come has, has said that he's he's going to come back to lose to the Rock a second time. Oh, no. And the Rock, you're going to bring him back as a face or heel or otherwise. Is he going to really want to come back for his first match since SummerSlam and lose to Hulk Hogan? It's just. As you say, Vince gets played by Hulk Hogan. He comes across as this really tough businessman, and the buck stops with him. It doesn't. He just it buckle stop with him unless Hulk Hogan tells him something otherwise. And it's been like that for, for well over fifteen years now. Watch this space. Bizarre. So to finish up with the more problematic, it must be said, return. Eric Bischoff, who has been given 30 days to turn Raw around, and boy, you better love Vince McMahon. You better believe that Vince McMahon loved telling him that live on Raw shortly before the Royal Rumble. And one of his first acts to save his job, Bischoff bringing back one of his nemesis, one Stone Cold Steve Austin, who will be making his return, has been confirmed at the No Way Out pay-per-view. Appearances on Raw before that. Not yet confirmed, but he'll definitely be there at No Way Out in a match, it should be said, probably against Eric Bischoff, if the sheets are to be believed. And, Callum, we know we had a good laugh over the last two hours. We've had to look for it here and there, but we have. But this isn't a laughing matter, and we need to talk very seriously, I think, for the last four or five minutes about the return of Austin here. Uh, The ink isn't yet dry on the court report from what Austin pleaded no contest to and I very much believe in second chances in life for anybody absolutely I do in yes there are exceptional circumstances of course but in general I do but I'm just going to give you those two little words at this point too soon yeah I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you and with, with the second chances but the the man hasn't had long enough to Repent. No. Because uh, as you say, it's, it was, it's all happened. And you absolutely know that Vince McMahon was waiting for the absolute second. Like, it, it, it's it's the steroid trial all over again to an extent. And, and hear me out on this one. He couldn't wait to get back on Raw that first Monday night to say, I beat, I beat the United States government. <laughs> he, could, he couldn't wait to have that court report come out because he's going to be on straight on the phone Speed dial number two behind Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, right, ready to get the band back together. Get your get in the gym, get your boots looked out. We're getting back, we're back in business. And it's just another another example of Vince McMahon will put the pretty green over anything else. Like morals aside when it comes to making money for for Vincent Kennedy McMahon and that's just another just another example of it 
he was always going to come back, right? Steve Austin. Let's not mince words. He was always going to at some point. And although we dropped it into our news portion a month or two ago, I don't think any of us really believed that he and Bill Goldberg were going to go away and form their own promotion. <laughs> right. That was definitely a bit of the old trying to make her jealous kind of thing from Austin there. He allowed the story to be put out, let's say that, and it looks like it worked. But I the optics of this are just horrendous. And oh, shocking. Uh, they're going to have Austin be the old Stone Cold, of course, you know, which I'm must admit, I'm very tired of seeing. Okay, they're going to have him be the beer drinking redneck, stunning everybody, right? And I mean, stunning everybody. Uh, how long is it going to be until he gives, I don't know, I don't know, Victoria a stunner or somebody like that, or even a babyface Trish or Stacy Keith? No, we can all see it happening, right? And I'll be honest, I've got on camera, I've genuinely got my hands clasped together as I'm describing this all to you now. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> but very few prayers answered in my life. I haven't really given very many, it must be said. But I am just hoping that they steer clear of anything that can evoke memories, let's say. But even in saying that, it's a forlorn hope because just him being back in the WWE. I know you should never you should never leave dead air on these podcasts, but I think my dead air there speaks volumes. Yeah. Now, can you not wait six months? WrestleMania is coming back up. You don't need Austin back now anyway. No, apparently he's given them assurances that his head's clear. Now, I don't really give a fuck about that, to be honest with you. Now, the reasons why Austin walked out on the company in May or June, okay, maybe they have been resolved, that, but they're not relevant here, okay? What is relevant is what Austin you know, pleaded no contest to in the summer of 2002, and we have the denouement of in November last year. November last year. And I've heard nothing from either party saying that this is even the right thing to do. I haven't even heard them try to defend it. It's almost just accepted. And I am long, long past trying to find any crumb of morality in world wrestling entertainment. Okay, I suck it up when I watch their program, and I've said it many times over the last eight years. Okay, As a WWE fan, you have to buy in with that stuff okay it's there it's always in the debit column and you're never going to clear it out okay but that doesn't mean we can't mention it when it happens and i think all of us hope that one day you know morality will win the day with this fucking shyster but uh, today is not that day and i think it's going to be a long time coming, coming, Callum, because if you rightly say, you know, he's seen the green ahead of anything else here. And although Vince McMahon is, you know, long since passed on to keep his advertisers and his sponsors happy and uh, TV 14 and all the rest of it, but come on, man. I want to shake the guy by the lapels and tell him, can you not see this? And you mentioned earlier on, so you're, you, we know, so you, 
Angle, you've got Angle Brock. We're going to have Jericho, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is appearing at a WrestleMania in the year 2003. Right. Who, who a year ago would have thought that was possible? You don't need Steve Austin. Hulk Hogan's yeah. going to be on the show. You're probably going to have The Rock on there at some point. Next year is the 20th WrestleMania. Save Austin for that. Yes. Don't bring him back the first chance you've got. And as you say, he's going to be back at the Stone, at the, the, at the Stone Cold. You know that because if he's going to face Eric Bischoff, you know that all they're going to be talking about is how much of a beating he's going to put down and they'll be celebrating the beating he's going to put down on Eric Bischoff. And we're, we're talking about the, 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 the morality and all that and, and a lot of the time, as you say, we have to we have to divorce that side of it when watching the 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 the, the, the product because it's not it's not the guys and girls in the ring that, that that's done these things in the past. It's the owner, so you can look past at some point. But when it's in, when it's when it's Austin that you're going to be looking at, and we're talking about the, the absolute abhorrent things that he that that he that he did. Yeah, that's that's a that's a step too far, even for even for a pro wrestling fan to 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 divorce from. That's just you're asking a lot of us. Go fish for morals in the pro wrestling business, but one day we're going to get a bite. One day. And here we are, back in January 2023. Did we get a bite in the ensuing 20 years? I'll let you be the judge. <laughs> One thing nobody needs to judge, though, is Callum McDougall's performance on this podcast. First class, Callum says it's been a long, long time coming. But my goodness me, you made those two hours count, my boy. Oh, I, I, I have I've loved every every bit of it. Genuine, genuine. I know we've been we've been doing uh, podcasts together now for for many a year, but this is a genuine, genuine uh, podcast um, bucket list uh, that I've done. Loved, loved it, loved every minute of it. It's absolutely great to have you on. Callum, again, uh, just opportunity one more time. Any plugs or anything you've got going on the Place to Be Nation Wrestling Network or elsewhere? Uh, yes, so uh, just the just the Place to Be Wrestling uh, Network. Uh, there is a special relations that, that both myself and Rory do with uh, the boy Ben Locke. Um, I also do another couple of, a couple of other pods with Ben. Uh, there is um, uh, Wrestling's Chicken Salad, which is Ben's baby over there, where we look at um, some of the the, the worst uh, the the worst shows in wrestling, try and find the the good, bad, or indifferent parts of it, um, which is always which is always a good time. The latest one that we did was the Royal Rumble of nineteen ninety four, um, so that oh that, that that's I think that's out now on the Place to Be Wrestling Network. There's also a, another show. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, Starflation, where we live watch um, uh, Dave Meltzer five-star match from before June 2018, when he gave his first seven-star match, and we uh, reassess it for Starflation, so we put that match on the seven stars. Uh, only one so far, episode number one, Brett and Austin from WrestleMania 13. Uh, oh, the, latest, the latest one we watched was an absolutely excellent um, All Japan Women's Eight, pers- eight women, iron women tag match, which is the, the, the name of the match. It's just it has to be seen to be believed. Absolutely, absolutely excellent. Um, so there's only been about four or five of them, uh, but but that's all. Um, that's all I've got on 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 the other side. 
you won't be watching Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit, of course. We didn't qualify by those rules. No, we won't be seeing that. We won't be seeing um, Triple H or Steve Austin, which I left off my greatest WWE 100 matches. <laughs> uh, and and yeah, there's, 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 there's some. <laughs> thankfully, uh, but there is there are some shocking matches that not on there. He gave um, the ladder match at WrestleMania 10 five stars, but didn't give Bretton Owen five stars. That was only 475, mm-hmm. which was a was a shock to was a shock to me. So. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't know everything. We might. We might do a four point seven five match special. Get you back on for that, Ronnie. Oh, uh, well, we, can, we, can, we can watch. <laughs> we can watch. We can watch Benoit and Angle again. Well, I was going to say fine by me. Now I'm out of timeline. It might be a little trickier to actually watch that for anything other than work-based purposes. But um, yes, soon enough. We are where we are on that. But Callum, it's been a joy to have you on this show, my man. I wanted to get it in, get you in there while we could. And you know, opportunities are very much limited, as I don't have discussed it on this show. But um fantastic to have you on and i'm sure the listeners will agree that it was a, quite a coup and you more than made it count my man it's absolutely great to have you on here uh not a whole lot from me then before we wrap up to say we wanted to keep this a normal show as february one will be well as normal as any show hosted by chris lacy with yoli on can be and obviously do listen out for our show in march which will be wrestlemania 19 and you already know the rest but if somehow you don't then I do recommend you listen to our end of year award show for 2002 and do listen to the final half hour of that one where we will spell out the future of the podcast. And this podcast does have a future. It's the end, but it's not in all of that stuff. But uh, goodbye, not au revoir, as Dale Boy would say. So do listen to this final half hour of that for more information. But want to try and keep it as standard as we can for the next two months before the big semi-farewell in March. But Callum, one more time, my man, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. I have been Rory McNamara. We will see you next month and I will see you in March. <laughs>